Hello, nurse. This is Wacko. From Animaniacs. And we'd love to stay and talk to you, but I've got a party emergency. You stay right here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome once again to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. The only podcast guaranteed that if you listen, you'll hear stuff. You know, because on some podcasts, they talk, but eh, you're not really hearing much of anything. Uh, sometimes you hear stuff here. Sometimes you see stuff. And that's when it gets weird. Uh, which. Still having pandemonium pandemic times here at Area 51 as rest of the lower 48. God knows how uh, the, the islands and the uppers are doing. We have no clue. Uh, we have no clue. But there's a lot of social distancing going on. I have not opened the door to uh, the airlock in Area 51 since March. And in doing so, I am now eating these these uh, these rations that were put in here as part of the survival quest uh, guys that we had in here like I think 11 or 12 years ago and I swore then that we were never going to use them uh, I have run out of tang I, I'm thankfully I have run out of tang and I am now uh, they're, 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 I'm drinking grape Kool-Aid and it's horrifying. Please, somebody send me something besides grape Kool-Aid. So joining joining me from the other side of wherever the other place is, is Captain Cam, who has been humming the Bob Newhart theme all afternoon for no apparent reason, other than the fact that he remembered that the name of the robot from the day that the earth stood still's name was Gort. And I said, you get to hum something all day. So he's been humming the theme from the Bob Newhart show. Hey, Cam. Howdy, sir. By the way, have I told you about my Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, Dick Van Dyke show theory that they're all in the same universe? It's my theory. Uh it's a theory that they were all in the same universe. Yes, yes. Well, well, I know that they were all in Cathode Ray at one time. Yep. And Cathode Ray was actually a city right next to Petticoat Junction, but that's just that's just the gamma rays talking. What do I know? Yep. So it's weird that. What's going on tonight? <laughs> like tonight's different from any other night we do on the show. Um, we 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 have a friend over at uh, 
at a very wonderfully weird festival called the Philip K. Dick Film Festival. Um, and and he's, he's a wonderful friend of ours. And every year when we have him on, he, he tells us about some of the wonderful films that they're going to have. And every year he threatens to bring me down to have me for one of the panels in, in New York City. And for some reason, it never works out because I keep, I think we both keep forgetting to do it. But this year, this last year, there was a movie that won. And he wouldn't stop talking to me about it. And he said, you got to see the movie. 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 And the movie was called, is called, was called then, still co- and will be called in the future, <laughs> A Brief History of Time Travel. A, and it's a documentary. Now, how could a history of time travel, because time travel assumes past, present, future, be a documentary? I brought to us tonight the only person who could answer that question the person who not only directed the film, but won the the prize for best documentary at the festival. And I'm going to butcher the name. I apologize ahead of time, but I told you this was going to happen. Gisela Busteos. Gisela, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you so much for having me. Was the name even close? You did. Gisela, Gisela Busteos. You got it. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's like one in a row. It's not <laughs> <night>. <laughs> next, next week, we need Bob Smith just so you can keep it going. We'll get Bob Camp on again from SpongeBob, and it'll be all be wrong. We need to do SpongeBob. Did he do SpongeBob? No, I, I don't even know what he did. Anyway, Gisela, talk to me about your film, A Brief History of Time Travel. Here yeah, definitely. Here's your open-ended question. (laughs) (laughs) So A Brief History of Time Travel is a documentary about the history and pop culture of time travel. And um, we go from the very earliest stories of time travel, which is actually in the Mahaparata, which is like the first like written text in human history in India, all the way to um, time travel today, like how we see in pop culture. Um, in movies and TV shows, and we look at what people are working on to see if time travel could actually happen in the future. So it's basically a biography of the idea. A biography of an idea, and you yeah. take the you, you take you take us by the hand and walk us through time from the beginning of time to what we think of as time Mm -hmm. to what theoretically time actually can or will be thought of. And how do do you do that? Well, that's a a big question. Well, Um, this is a big movie and it's it's (laughs) to, to be serious for a minute. Um, time, time is something that each of us 
develops our own relationship with at the moment at which we are. So time is different for me at 60 years old than it is for someone at 25, than it is for someone at 18, than it is for someone sitting on a beach watching the sunset. And yeah. every, but every second is exactly the same length of time. So the ex experientially, it becomes a matter of how society, societally and sociologically, and we, we, we've come to come to accept it and come to terms with it. And you show this from many different ways within yeah. the film. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different perspectives um, of not not just time travel, but time in itself, right? Um, and I do talk about this a little bit in the film about how be, like the early times before like we had clocks, right? Time was mm -hmm. so different, right? Time before there were trains going to different towns. Um, time time ran differently for different towns right and then and it wasn't until the 1800s and they were able to kind of um make time the same <laughs> that's when we were able we became more and more obsessed with that idea i'm not saying it right but <laughs> how did you become so obsessed with time um, you know, I've always been interested in the idea of time travel and sci-fi. Um, growing up, I watched Star Trek with my dad. Um, a lot of the books that I was reading at that time were kind of had time travel in it, like um, uh, Harry Potter, um, Calvin and Hobbes. Um, but it wasn't until I was in college and I watched this movie called La Jetée. Uh, which is what 12 Monkeys is based off of. Um, and it's this black and white French film, really short, but it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. And I, I, that's my favorite film of all time. So that's kind of how I kind of got back into the idea of time travel and I kind of got curious about the topic. Um, and then it kind of spiraled from there. You know, I just started interviewing some people here and there. And then, you know, getting these different perspectives was super interesting. Um, initially, when I when I started the idea of making the documentary, I was thinking about it being kind of like the physicists versus the fanatics of, or sci-fi fans, you know, of time travel. Um, but then, you know, a lot of documentaries out there kind of already talk about that, right? Like, you can go on to... I don't know, like the Discovery Channel, and they'll talk about like, you know, kind of this, the, the science behind, um, the physics behind time travel. And we do talk about that a little bit, but um, the documentary talks more about um, just the different ideas. You know, there's such a diversity of thought when it comes to this idea of time um, and how time travel has affected like so many different people and um, their fields that their chosen professions, right? I, I got to talk to, um, authors like um, Ted Chang and uh, and game designers like Tim Schafer 
and theoretical physicists like Dr. Ron Mallet, who's actually um, planning on, has plans to build a time machine. <laughs> you can't see me, but I have like quotes. I'm doing the finger quotes, but um, yeah. And it's really interesting to see how inspired they are with, you know, this idea of, of time travel. And we all, we all think, you're right. We all think about this idea, right? Like who hasn't thought about, you know, going to the past or what our future is going to be like. And especially now in the middle of the pandemic, right? I'm sure, I, I mean, I definitely have. I'm like, oh, like, could I imagine like that I'd be in this situation six months ago? So. And I will say that, you know, one of the things that really got me as far as this was concerned is this documentary didn't just limit itself to one view of time travel. It wasn't like you said, like you said, when you originally came at this, it was like the physicist versus the uh, the uh, the Star Trek Doctor Who fans. You know, mm -hmm. you, you kind of you opened this, uh, you opened itself up to concepts of like yoga and meditation and even cryogenics, which is in, in a way, it's time travel, because once you're frozen, you come back out of it, you know, you're going to be quite a few years into the future. Um, and then even, to, you know, to, you know, uh, Mallet's, uh, Ron Mallet's concepts that he's working on. And I guess my question is, what inspired you to extend that definition from just the typical person in a time machine? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it has to do with... Um, how I was brought up. So my, my background is my, my, my dad's from Bolivia and my mom's from Vietnam. And so I kind of grew up in this household where, you know, there's a mesh, mishmash of different cultures. And so I've, I've always been open to this idea of like, there's, there's not just like one way to look at things. There's like multiple ways to look at things. Right. Um, and that definitely translated into the documentary where, you know, I think a lot of us tend to think of time travel, Doctor Who, Back to the Future, DeLorean. Um, but if you go to other places, it, people look at it so differently, right? Um, I did not get to talk about this that much in the film because we had to keep it short, but um, this, um, the indigenous group in Bolivia, the Aymaras, how they view time is, um, how we talk about time, we kind of look at the future in front of us, it's in front of us, right? And the past is behind us. Um, and the Aymaras believe that the future is behind us and the past is in front of us because it already happened. And just that mental kind of like flip is so interesting. It's so interesting to like view, it, it's an outlook in life that's very different from how, how we would ordinarily view time. That's too bad you couldn't have gotten that in there. That was that is actually rather interesting right in there. <laughs> that 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 yeah. concept. That, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. You have to, you know, you have to cut back on things, you know, because you're you got to fit it into a certain space. But, you know, that is just a fascinating way of viewing things. Yeah, yeah. There's so many other, um, like another thing. I don't know if you know that much about um, the Aborigines um, in Australia. They view. Um, Time is almost like this, like fabric of space-time, and you can just swim, like forward and backward, side to side, um, in time. Which is, is yeah, it's very different from how we view, you know, minute by minute, second by second. You know, we're very stuck to our schedules and to clocks, um, and that's such ingrained in our culture, right? Like I remember, in being in preschool. And this is before even learning how to read, right? Like our teacher would just have this rug 
like a circular rug that was in the shape of a clock and we would learn how to do time with like the big hand and the little hand and this is before we were reading right and so it's it's so ingrained in us to be kind of aware of time oh it very much is it's it's I agree with you because even that I remember that when I was a kid is learning that one of the first things you learn right there with ABCs and one, two, threes is, you know, that what time it is so that you know when to be on time. And I have read some of what you're talking about with the Aborigines in Australia and their concepts are just absolutely fascinating of how they, they view these kind of things. Yeah. For me, living in a culture where there was no concept of immediately was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely it changed. Just, <laughs> it, it, it made coming, returning back into this culture very different for me mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a formative age where um, uh, uh, the world didn't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> So the idea came to you Mm -hmm. at film school or during film school or during, 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 during your time of, of formative, Hey, I creative (laughs) time, you know, we, we have this creative time and a lot of us say, screw that. I'm going to put numbers in columns and make money. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Yeah, good for you. Go go put numbers in columns and make money. And other people go. I'm going to draw dragons, and I may not make a dime. <laughs> and and good for you because you want to draw dragons. But in your formative time, you said I want to make movies, and ended <laughs> up at Tish. I did. And yeah. uh, that that's a great place to if that's what you want to do. That's a great place to do it. And then the idea came up uh, formula, formula, formulatively. Yeah, I would say like when I was in film school, that's when I started watching kind of like these old old films. And that's when I got first introduced to La Jete. And I think, you know, that's when I kind of like got back into to you know this idea of time travel and it kind of like has always been in the back of my head and you know just thinking about like you know what are the possibilities and the different ideas and it wouldn't go away right I feel like it's so easy or maybe this is my personality you know you just kind of get obsessed about something you can't stop thinking about it and you know you just keep on thinking more and more about it and you know, luckily with um, my skill set, which is making films, um, am I able to go and talk to these amazing people um, who, you know, also are really interested in the same topic? And then that kind of like, you know, inspired me to continue talking to people. And that's, yeah, that's definitely how that, how the documentary came about. (laughs) So was it, in school, where you started just kind of, um, I if I'm going to, go ahead, after I'm sorry. School. It was after school. So actually, when I, after I graduated, I was working at an ad agency for a bit. So I was working. Oh, you were putting numbers yeah. in columns and making money. Good for you. Yay. 
<laughs> and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was scary. Like, um, yeah, just y'all have I to think do as, that. Yeah, I think like at that time, you know, I, I knew I knew that I wanted to, you know, I went to film school. I my I need to make a film, you know, at some point in my life. And that was like kind of always been in the back of my head. And um, yeah, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm able, I was able to do it. And yeah, here I am now <laughs> talking to you about the film that I made. <laughs> so you, you, st you started writing it? You started you know, oh, kind of jotting yeah. down ideas in your little, little time travel notebook? Uh, kind of. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit. I think, uh, so doing documentaries is very different than doing like a narrative um, yeah. film. Like narrative, yeah, you would kind of write a script out, right? Like um, everything's kind of like planned out ahead of time. And then the shooting schedule is like, you know, a certain amount of time. And then mm -hmm. it's really easy to edit that because you're just editing it kind of based off of the script. And then you're making... Um, You've got more. a chronology to work with, the whole exactly. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, documentaries are a little bit different um, because it changes a lot. <laughs> um, like I mentioned earlier. What do you mean? <laughs> it can change, you know, because you're documenting real life. You're not working from a script. You know, things you kind of find like new ideas that kind of like inspire you. You know, the story that you initially had might not go how you expected it to go because you know you're filming reality you can't you can't it's not a script um so it did take a lot of time initially it was just research you know I just started reading like a lot of you know articles on time travel like researching different like like video games that had time travel in them trying to play them I'm not the best video game player but you know for at least watching the, the playthroughs um you know reading you know, time travel related books, um, watching shows and, you know, kind of like immersing myself kind of in the topic. And then eventually, you know, you start interviewing people and then you kind of have an idea of like how you want to, how you want the story to flow, your kind of skeleton of the plot. Um, but the writing essentially in a documentary takes place in the editing room so you, you once you have like all of the stuff that you interviewed like all the interviews all the footage um the editing is like where you kind of put it together and that can take a very long time was there a whole lot of uh of, of oh as you're interviewing somebody i never thought of this before that brings you someplace else yeah, definitely. All the time. Um, you know, I think the most interesting interview that I did was with um, Dr. Ron Mallett, who is this professor um, in the University of Connecticut, who, um, yeah, he teaches like, um, he's a professor of theoretical physics, um, but he's also um, has plans to build a time machine using lasers um, and sending neutrons, spinning them kind of back in time. Um, but his story is like so interesting how he kind of got into the idea of time travel. Um, so when he was like 10, his father passed away and, you know, he just read this, um, read the time machine. And then he was like, well, I can build a time machine to, you know, bring my father back. Um, and he 
you know, was always obsessed with that idea. And, you know, he, you know, became a physicist and he didn't tell anybody that he was thinking of or planning on doing research on time travel until, you know, after he got tenor. <laughs> and then that's when it all came out. And yeah, he's, he's I, I believe he's still working on the idea. I think he's trying to raise funding for that project. Um, and I have to say that that was one of the more fun parts of the, uh, the, uh, this, because the documentary, because it was this human moment. It was this beautiful mm-hmm. human moment where you're you're listening to him tell you this story from his past, and it's it's this emotional moment that just it that's what drove him, you know. And it was great because I wish now I could remember the quote because he said it twice, and it came straight from the version of the of the uh, time machine that he read. That uh, scientists know that time travel is possible or something like that. And that was part of what drove him is because at first I remember him talking about, you know, as a kid going, well, I'm going to put together a time machine. I'm going to take all these parts and put them together. And he never gave up because he realized that one quote, I need to be a scientist to make this work. And that's what drove him through his life to get where he is. And I just thought that was such a cool moment. It's just a cool, emotional, just pulls you in it's it's not just facts and figures yeah 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 it was um um, now i'm trying to think of the quote too it's we will find the quote okay (laughs) cameron will find i spaced out okay and we will we will put it in the body of the of the the text of this of this won't you cameron Oh, I will. Now that I've opened my mouth and put my foot clean down my throat, <laughs> I will find that thing. So this will make, but keep in mind, I have now watched your uh, your your movie three and a half times. This will make four and a half times oh, just so I can find that quote. No, I can I can get the quote for you. I'm no, 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 no. Sure no I, I don't I don't oh, mind because I I oh, know exactly no, where it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know exactly where what time stamp it's on because it's oh. near the end, and so and trust me, I was keeping track of a lot of timestamps. For stuff that I really wanted to talk with you about, and that was one where it hit me, but I never really thought to write that one down. But I know generally where it is, so yeah. I can find that one real quick. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, on top of everything else, you had to put the movie together. Yes. Sit through the shooting, sit through the interviewing, mm-hmm. sit through the editing. Uh, you had a, you didn't do this alone. You had a crew of people that you were working with, mm-hmm. and, and and somehow pay them, yeah, uh, for, for their time and their effort, and and did that. I'm assuming at least partially through a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Your first uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter, yeah. Kickstarter. Um, I had to okay. initially when I second. Was, oh yeah, go for it. The, the second most horrible thing in the universe to try and do. <laughs> have you tried? Have you tried Kickstarter before? The, the, the first, the first most horrible thing in the world to do is amputate your own limb. <laughs> Kickstarters to do a to do a Kickstarter for the first time is second. Tell yeah. me I'm wrong. It, it was it, it was not you're fine. Not, you're not wrong. Um, I I mean <laughs> it was it was definitely. It was a marathon doing the Kickstarter. It was a lot of work, um, and it paid off in a sense that you know I, you know, got to meet a lot of people who were like really interested in the idea um, of time travel. Um, 
but yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't do it again. Like, I think one time is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Which you know, proves what you are not. You are not a masochist. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, so, you know, initially when I was doing the documentary, I was looking into, um, I was applying for grants and um, um, funding from nonprofits, but a lot of the, the funding that's out there for nonfiction is more geared towards social justice. It's right. not geared towards um, science and science. There are things that, like... Um, like the Sloan Foundation. Boy, everybody talks a good game about uh, about uh, science and and uh, you know promoting science and the whole thing, until it comes to to bringing the money up to it, and then it's like, yeah. well, you, you know, there's a pothole down at the end of the street we've got to deal with first. Yeah. We'll get to you. Don't worry about it. And it it's very it's very disheartening yeah. that uh, science doesn't see the funding that it should have. But I was I was so pleased to see uh, the response your your Kickstarter got uh, that you got oh. well over what you had asked for. I know. Uh, yeah. I yeah. We ended up raising yeah forty over forty k. I believe over forty thousand. Yeah. 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 And that was like super helpful. Yeah. For for doing for. That, that not only gave you the money that you needed, but the money to promote to film festivals and and to give it some some visibility that it needed to, so that it could be seen, so that more people could see it, <coughs> which hopefully uh, did did some did some you know positive growth for your career as a director as well. Uh, but but mostly got got this out into the community before the coronavirus shot everything <laughs> down to the ground, and here we are back to ground zero again. Yeah, yeah. I it was crazy because like um, yeah, the last film festival that um, I was able to go to was um, the Phil K. Dick Film Festival in New York, and then as soon as I got back to Seattle, that's when everything got shut down. The world closed down, right? The world closed down, yeah. So, yeah, I did have, like, more festivals um, and, you know, speaking events that were lined up for this year. But, unfortunately, a lot of that had to um, – well, a lot of that's online now or postponed. So, it's it's definitely changed, like, the trajectory of, like, um, the festival um, route that I was going. But um, but I'm, I'm, I'm able to show the film. And that's great. And, you know, I can you can download the film on the website currently if you're interested in watching it at all, uh, which is timetraveldoc.com. <laughs> we'll have a oh, link on our, on, on our we will yeah. Have, we'll, yeah. <laughs> cool. No, we, we, we don't want anybody else to see this. We're keeping this one to ourselves. <laughs> we enjoyed it so much. We're just going to keep watching it over and over again. Um, so you're going to so get 30 again, hits yeah. next week. 15 from each of us. Not a problem oh, there. <laughs> so what are you up to now? What's your What's your next project? What um, is that brain that brought oh this out? God. You know, I, I... So 
so currently right now I'm actually working on a short film with a nonprofit um, about very not um, sci-fi related at all. It's um, about private. Oh, prisons. sorry. Then. Yeah. Don't care. Don't talk about it. No, no, seriously. No, <laughs> it's about uh, it's about private prisons um, in in Washington State. Um, there's a group here that's trying to shut down a private prison in Tacoma for illegal immigrants, um, and I think they pay them like a dollar a day. So it's basically like kind of slave labor, but um, yeah. So it's about it's about that. <laughs> fun topic but I think it's an important story that needs to be told um, and I'm very excited to like um, work on that but um, I also think you know I you know I love sci-fi you know I'm in Seattle like you know tech and like new technologies like all around me here um, so I'm always like very inspired um, and eager to like work on new projects that are you know in in the similar vein so yeah. It's a really inventive story that blurs the line between what we know about, <laughs> what we think we know about time, what we intellectually, what our culture knows about time, what our science knows about time and what our future holds for us in what time means to us. It's a really thought-provoking, interesting documentary. I think if Philip K. Dick were alive and were to see it, he would have smiled oh, because true. he would have yeah. enjoyed it. And I think it's a documentary uh, in a place where you don't see a lot of documentaries uh, because it's not a dystopian documentary. Uh, but it encompasses something about where we are, what a dystopian future can be, what we've done, how we squander time, what time truly means, and where it brings us to our, our next future. It's something that, Gisela, you've thought a lot about and has brought you to this wonderful documentary. The documentary is A Brief History of Time Travel. We've been talking with Gisela Busteos, and I can't thank you enough for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible. 
because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. I don't know about my work. I try to do as little of that as possible.